and here we go. Episode six, right? Episode six, here we go. And three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode six of Rehearsal Time with Group Two. Our guest today is an actress who spent 35 years in the New York theater, TV, and commercial scene. You may recognize her from her work as part of the Circle Repertory Company in New York, as well as various on-screen productions such as American Playhouse, as well as Law and Order. We're extremely excited to have her join us, so please give a warm Group 2 welcome to Joyce Reeling. Ooh, Thanks for coming on, Joyce. Look at her go. Yeah. <laughs> Very exciting. So I know we just talked for the past, uh, how long? An hour. But Joyce, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? I know it's weird times. No, no, no. How we're, are you? Both Tony and I are doing well. Uh, I mean, uh, fortunately, I love my husband, and we have we get along really well. We say this every day. Aren't we lucky that... We're a couple yeah. that get along really well because I cannot imagine the hell of being in shutdown. <laughs> oh, that, I can't uh, either. Yeah, you know, wants to follow you from room to room, going, "What are you doing, honey? What are you doing, honey?" Um, <laughs> you know, let's yeah. both go to what? the grocery store. No. Um, so, and what have my you been husband's doing? The, my husband's the one who goes to the grocery store for two reasons. He's the yeah. he's the great cook in our family. He really is. He's and, fantastic. Yeah, he mm. is. He is a good cook. And um, mm. uh, and I, I have uh, an underlying condition of asthma, so I don't go out if I can avoid it mm. at all. Except right. I that's do right. go swimming every day. So that's my What's exercise. he been making? What, what's he been making around the house? Any any dish that stands out to you? Uh, well, my favorite thing that he does is the, the meal I met him over, um, uh, or we started Aww. dating with. I had met him before, wow. but we started dating with his Coco Vin. So um, that's my fave. Um, did he well, make that, um, or did you go out and have that dish? No, no, no. He made it. Actually, uh, we were having leftovers, and I knew if the guy had leftovers of uh, a great cocoa vat and wild rice with a puy <laughs> montreche, uh, this was the guy to follow. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. This is, yeah. oh, let me get yeah. something out of the freezer. I'll just get a really good cocoa vat, you know, yeah. and, uh, right. that I have well, the way one does. Um, uh, did, you, did you both meet in New York? Yeah, yeah. Oh, what was he doing while he you was guys in were corporate? There? He was. Um, let's oh. see. When I first met him, he was working for Seagrams. Um, mm -hmm. He was always in uh, pension and benefit H and R kind of stuff. He worked no, in right. the international realm. So that uh, as the years went by, he went up. Uh, he left there, went to Warner Lambert, and then he went to uh, United Technologies for five minutes. That was back in the late '80s when there was a, a huge recession. People mm. always get all upset about recessions and go, oh, my God, it's never been like this. But we have the memory seven to ten years. And uh, right, he right, was right. Um, caught in that recession. And we had just moved to Connecticut for this job. He had been wooed away from Warner Lambert after he was there ten years. And United Technologies wanted him. And within six months, the recession deepened and for last hired, first fired. So he was wow. out of work mm -hmm. for, I don't know, 18 months or more. And this is a guy no. who'd never been out of work in his life. He left graduate school. He went to a uh, um, Johns Hopkins SICE program in uh, hey. uh, international studies and stuff. And then he went to, started working, and it wasn't until the 80s till he was downsized, which was very difficult for him. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, oh, yeah. Fortunately, well, when, as an actor, I was used to being without work. Um, I mean, uh, I worked a lot, but you'd have gaps, you know. Right. And right. I wasn't as frightened by it as he was because he had never mm. been out of work. And then he got a job at Duracell. Then I can remember driving home from uh, a train station one night because I went to the city every day for auditions. And I'm driving home one night and uh, I hear on the radio and there was a hostile takeover of Duracell today. And I just went, <gasps> oh, oh, oh that no. meant. And I, oh. I pulled over on this on the road we lived on and I just went, oh, my God, what is it? We're going to get fired again. Well, you know, downsized. Oh, downsized God. is French for fired. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and so he didn't. I mean, uh, it, there was, it was not a great happy time. He, it was bought by um, uh, Gillette. I know they own oh, Gillette. Who was okay. it? It's uh, the corporate company. Uh, they're at the, anyway. One of those matter. corporate companies, um, right? Uh, I mean, a big umbrella company. Yeah. And they, they own Gillette yeah. and they bought, they bought yeah. uh, Duracell. And they, uh, they were very 50s gray desks kind of, whereas Duracell was predominantly young, a lot of women in, um, oh. uh, you know, p p p good positions, really good positions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. right. And uh, that didn't sit well with them. Um, 
But oh, wow. so we lasted there a couple more years, uh-huh. and then uh, where did what did you do after that? Anyway, he always says when people say when were you when did you retire? He goes, well, I was involuntarily, early prematurely retired by the corporate world. <laughs> Involuntarily, uh, <laughs> prematurely retired. Yeah, that's what I'm well, going to say. It, and also, also <laughs> with these recessions, um, uh, it used to be corporations, multinationals had these big um, uh, uh, divisions that handled. What he used to do was handle. If you if you take, if, you know, I take uh, Tyler and say, well, you're going to you're going to move from uh, uh, Pennsylvania to France sure. for three years. Well, all how you pay, how how you pay somebody, what their health benefits are their housing costs, putting their kids in school, all, all that's part of the package. I right. thought when I met him, mm-hmm. you know, they say, well, you go to France, you go to France, you just go. But there's yep. all this stuff and international law that comes in. Well, oh, wow. right. Right. as it started to tighten the market, uh, they started letting go of international people and wanting generalists. So he was, wow. um, mm-hmm. he, he was sort of in the uh, uh, realm of uh, buggy whips at that point, you know. Wow. Um, it's if you go to cars and and nobody wants a buggy whip maker anymore um so he was out um you know 10 years earlier than he should have been because and also when you're in your 50s uh, people are looking and going oh well i'm only having i'm gonna only have you for 10 years so you're not really worth it right so, oh, right. Uh, yeah. whereas That's with great. actors of course for women, this happens in our thirties. Right. <laughs> you know, oh, you know I'm I'm astounded yeah. that I got as far as fifty eight uh, in New York still working, that, not like I it, used wow. to, not like I yeah. did in my twenties, thirties, and even my forties, but I was still working. Um, although I had moved more to voice work, uh, uh, radio spots, voiceovers, things like that. But oh. um, uh, you know, actresses uh, in general. Uh, I'm lucky I'm a character girl, but uh, even in my younger and thinner days, you could see the window going like this because they yeah, really right. pick mm-hmm. up any play and count how many women are in it. And that was something we were talking about. You know, we wanted to ask you about maybe uh, because a lot of people, they, they'll talk about, you know, their career, maybe their late career or um but we, we were wondering when you were getting started or maybe when you're approaching that hump of where, okay, I'm going to have to push through and, uh, because I wanted to do this for another 20, uh, 30 years. So what was that like for you, that period, the beginning kind of middle stage of your career uh, where you had to really um, you know, keep doing audition and grind, really uh, grind. Mm-hmm. for all, these, all this work? The beginning is aspirational. You know, I went to the North Carolina School of the Arts, and this was back when it it had just gotten started. So it was not nearly the training program that it is now, which is highly professional. And, uh, you know, we were all kind of puppies in a box when we first started. Um, Right. Mm Because I was literally there the second or third year, maybe, that the school even existed. So my graduating class was the first group of people that had gone through four years of schooling there. Um, Wow. Which, fighting pickles at that point or what darling were you the fighting pickles at that point already, you know we, I, we weren't even the pickles at that point i don't think oh. i can't remember when the pickles started it they started, weren't even fighting they were they, yeah. it was, yeah, it was, they, they, they were they pickle juice at that point they were still in the ground they, you know? yeah they were cucumbers we were just cucumbers then um yeah. uh but it was all aspirational and we had no uh, alumni association or anything you you didn't feel mm-hmm. like oh I'll go there and I know I can connect with other people from the school like you would with Juilliard or Yale or something right. that had been around mm-hmm. Catholic University right. we had nothing nobody nothing wow. um, so it was all aspirational and you know I finally started working um, the job I had to get me through the first couple of years was I worked at um, an answering machine uh, answering uh, it was called like radio call registry, center. but it was, uh, uh, I, I did a plug switchboard. No oh, way. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It was an wow. awful job. Um, <laughs> Can't uh, imagine. I, fortunately, I worked with these wonderful, most of the women were from Bar- Barbados, and they were wonderful. Uh, I'm trying to think of the woman who sat directly next to me. She was just heavenly. Um, oh, it all came to me. I know her name as well as I know my own. I'm just blanking out on it. But I had like a 48 plug switchboard with three call-in plugs. So if oh, you were geez. out on the road, out on the street, mm-hmm. and you wanted to call and see if you had, you'd, you'd be one of these down here that would light up. And I'd plug in and say, you know, radio registry. And they'd say, oh, hi, it's Joyce. What do you got for me? And, and of course, we mm-hmm. never said you don't have anything. We'd always go, well, nothing for you now. Not yet. Wow. Not yet today. 
Not uh, yet. Not Keep yet. Tuning but in. I did have a client who, uh, <laughs> I think she was going through a divorce or something. And uh, oh. when you plugged in, uh, she it, it, some of them had stars next to them. They wanted you to pick up on the first ring. Wow. <laughs> How she thought I would know her phone was going to ring is beyond me. But you'd, you'd plug in as quickly <laughs> as you could. And you'd hear her phone pick up. And yep. then you'd go, you know, um, uh, uh, eight two four five six whatever it was. Because we didn't mm. use her name. Right. And they'd say, well, uh, uh, this is Gladys. Could you, and you'd hear, I'll take it. <laughs> so, this you know, Gladys. if you got to the second <laughs> ring, after the phone call, she'd call and say, I'm supposed to be picked up on the first ring. Oh, jeez. Oh. Oh, wow. she was a jewel. Wow. She was, there we was all liked her. Yes. Um, <laughs> we all sit around going, no wonder he left. Um, <laughs> um, I just hope something awful wasn't happening in her life, but she was very right. mean to us. And I had a wonderful guy, Monsieur Fournier. I don't know. Oh. He was he was in the rag trade in some way, um, and so I'd get all these calls from Paris. And so, but this was back when a trunk line would come through. So you, Monsieur Fournier, and they, and you'd hear, "Hello, hello, this is Paris calling." Hello. I go, hello, Paris. This is New York. Hello. I am calling for Monsieur Fournier. I have uh, someone on the line for him. And I go, Monsieur Fournier is uh, away. Can I take the, da, 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 da. I take down the information. I say, oh, Paris. Mm. She, I, oh, yeah, yes. I'd say, what's the weather like in Paris? They, oh, it's a little sunny, uh, a little hot. Uh, wow. And in New York, uh, oh, it's terrible over here. It's so humid and it's raining. And da, da. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> So that's, you know, I, we, that's, I talk through the Paris operator and, uh, right, right. uh, yeah, that was my, the height of my excitement was, cause I'd never been to Paris, of course, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, the height of my excitement was getting a call from, I know, I know, Paris. <laughs> Joyce, it seems like you made the absolute best out of a situation that you're just so unsure of, you know, because as performing artists, you always, you know. You need to be okay with that call job. You need to be okay with that Starbucks job in order to really break out. When was that moment for you that you really started to break into the scene, the acting scene in New York? I went um, to audition for, I had seen Hot Al Baltimore, which was a play by Lanford Wilson that was running downtown at Bleecker Street. And um, I had seen it and I thought, this play is just freaking brilliant. And I so wanted to audition down there and I couldn't get, I, I just couldn't get an audition. I didn't have an agent at the time either. So um, the Seattle ACT, uh, an actor's contemporary theater, was holding auditions. And, um, oh, here, this is a lesson in, in never burning your bridges. Um, the gal who is the front desk gal at um, TCG, Theater Communications Group, which worked as kind of a, a, a casting gate for regional theaters and stuff and uh, you know you'd try to go and and and, and uh, whether you had an agent or didn't have an agent you could sometimes get and I was always amazed at how many people actors young actors people who I knew probably didn't have a lot more going for them than I did as far as uh, our resume and they'd come in and they'd be right. going you know mama 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 like throwing behaving very actorly you know right and sure. meanwhile yeah. they were not talking to the gal's name was Mary Buck they were not talking to Mary at all and I'm sitting there, I'm, you know, I'm basically scared to death all the time, you know, because I didn't come from, right. I, didn't, I, didn't, I came from Podunk, Maryland, I went to school yeah. in North Carolina, I had training, kind of, uh, it's scary when you first start getting to New York and you're walking down the street, there are more people walking down the street like this than exist in your entire state. You know, and that's just Fifth <laughs> right, Avenue. Right. right. Um, so I would sit and talk to Mary, and every now and then they'd say, "Well, we're going to break for twenty minutes or something." And I'd say, "Well, I could afford a cup of coffee." So I'd, I'd say, "I'm going to go get a cup of coffee," and then I would say, "Mary, do you want anything?" "Oh, thanks. Yeah, could I have a cup of whatever?" So there are two things about Mary. Years uh, she had some input. She's the front desk girl. She had some right. input, exactly. and she yeah. advocated for me to get. A reading for Hot Al Baltimore. Oh, nice. Wow. Which I got, and I went to Seattle. And um, uh, that was the beginning. That was my first equity job, doing a wow. show wow. I very much wanted to do. And then, flash forward about a year and a half, a year later, so 
the Harel downtown called me and said, could you come in and take over for the, the gal who plays your role? Um, she's going to take, I don't know, two, three weeks vacation that she'd accrued or something. Right. And so I had to go in and read for the, the director, Marshall Mason, and the playwright, uh, Lanford. And they, uh, they hired me and said, you know, this is great, yeah. And as nice. I was performing, they were saying, you know, God, you're so much better than what we have, and would you take over for <laughs> Yes, her? that's right. Crush it, Joyce, don't you? And I said, <laughs> I said, um, no. I said, you know, if I do this, everyone in this company is going to hate me. Now, here, here's, the, here's the interesting mm -hmm. part. Mm -hmm. Right. I was young enough and naive enough to uh, not consider the knock-on effect and I had enough of a grounding to know that I didn't want to start in the theater by being hated by everyone in the company. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I just thought it was morally it. wrong <laughs> yeah, I... to send someone off for a vacation and recast mm -hmm. while they're, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. yeah. So a couple of months or not even a year later, they called me again and, I, and they said, would you please? And I said, listen, we've gone through this. Meanwhile, believe me, I'm not racking up lots of work. I could, I would have gladly taken it. I don't know. I was just, I, I, I my better angels were in high gear, and um, they said, oh, "We know uh, what." Now we weren't being paid Gornish to do this down there. I don't know what we were paid a week. Of course, I'd have to adjust it for inflation to even begin to tell you, because if it was $125 a week, that what was more than 125 would be now, but right, not absolutely. by much. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, so I said, I'll tell you what, I'll come in if you give her a month's notice. Let her get her mm -hmm. life together. Let mm -hmm. her know that she has to save and be willing, able to step out. Otherwise, you know, we're back to the same place. And that didn't make yeah, sense exactly. to me. So anyway, I did go in and, and uh, uh, I was with the show, oh, I don't know, six months, something like wow. that. Um, so was that was that like a full tour that the show was doing the six month? I'm sorry. Was the the six months that you were with the show a full tour cycle, something like that? No, no. Or? It's just it's just what how long it was running downtown. It was still running. Gotcha. And I'm trying okay. to think mm. whether we closed that out or whether I got another job. I may have gotten another job and left, and then I came back to do uh, a reunion thing that they did where almost everyone had ever played these roles came in and we switched off and it was a fundraiser. Anyway, the reason I'm mentioning it is that Mary got me that job. She went on to be uh, a sub agent with a, an agency uh, that I then signed with. She then went on to be a casting agent, she, but she went out to Los Angeles and I didn't do a whole lot out, the, out there. But right. my first job really can be traced to being decent to someone everybody else discounted. Hey, and that was my first equity note. job. Yeah. It's my okay. first equity job. And that introduced me to Lanford Wilson and Marshall Mason, who, while I was performing, I wasn't in the second act. And Marshall, Marshall and Lanford would drop by. The show had been running a while, so to keep it fresh, we didn't have a terrific stage manager, but we had who we had. And so Marshall and Lanford would come by and give notes every now and then. And they then mm -hmm. said, listen, we're thinking of starting, we're, we've started a company and we'd like to offer you a chance to come in. You know, would you do that? And I, yes. are you kidding? And <laughs> I mean, we were paid next to nothing again, right. but it mm -hmm. was the beginning of the Circle Repertory Company. And that company existed for 25 years, something like that. Amazing. And wow. I did uh, a, a lot of the work I did was done there. And it was all with, uh, mostly 90% was done with living American playwrights. So, wow. um, you know, it was a great group of people to be with. And that's, you know, Jeff Daniels and um, uh, Bill Hurt and myself, Nancy Snyder, Jonathan Hogan, who's an unsung, brilliant um, actor. Um, I'm trying to think who all else was in it. And uh, Christopher Reed, right? Uh, Christopher did, yes. Yeah. He, was, uh, he yeah. and I never worked together there. Uh, okay. We we worked together when he when we did. Um, we started Fifth of July with uh, Bill Hurt, 
and then right. um, Christopher came in to do the Broadway run. And uh, even though he had done shows at Circle, I just wasn't there because all of us, there were two years where we stayed as a company. We were paid as a company. We worked with the playwrights. You know, we were there 24-7. And then, um, uh, then we didn't have the funding to continue. But we kept, I mean, if, if you were cast, you'd be there. Uh, but right. it wasn't the same as having a company where we did classes in the morning and rehearse in the afternoon and perform at night. So you'd go off and do other things and come back to do a show there. Mm. And yeah. um, that's what a lot of us did. And uh, and so thank God for commercials because I couldn't have afforded to stay in, in theater if I didn't make some money. Right. And did that relocate you back into New York City to do the commercial work? Or were you still in Seattle then? Oh no no I'm sorry. Seattle was like a three week uh, four week gig. Yeah yeah that gotcha. was that was the, that's the, the job that introduced me to them uh, and and yes. then I took over in the city, and uh, but no I lived for almost twenty years in the city and then Tony and I moved out to um, uh, Connecticut and I still was coming in and and I was doing shows at Playwrights Horizons or Off Broadway or Broadway or what have you. Wow wow that's amazing because mm -hmm. you just recently. Um, we're doing a show I, in 2019, uh, back in North Carolina. Yes, I did that, a that, couple of shows with a uh, company here called the Judson Theater Company, and it's Morgan Sills, who was born and raised in uh, Southern Pines, and he's now a producer in New York, um, right. and had been an entertainer himself. He had been more of a song and dance guy, I think. But um, uh, he really wanted to have a, 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 an equity theater uh, here. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think his long range plan is to have like a, you know, kind of a resident company, but that's right. easily 10 to 20 years away. Um, yes. So what he started doing was bringing in uh, a two person show or a limited show. And, he, you know, you start with bringing names in. Uh, and mm -hmm. I worked with, um, I'm looking over here because our posters over here, um, Sally Struthers and Kim Coles and I and two young actresses from uh, New York, who were just simply great. Um, yeah. We did Love Loss in What I Wore, uh, the more yes. Ephron piece, which I loved, loved, loved. Partly because um, you get to, you work on it, of course, and you, more or less, you, you, over time, you can memorize something, but you didn't have to memorize. The first time I performed with, uh, not this show, but I, uh, they were doing uh, Steel Magnolias, and I think I had met Morgan once, maybe. Uh -huh. And I got a call one day, and they, he said, oh, hi, it's more." I said, hi, how are you doing? Because I knew they were doing Steel Magnolias with um, Dawn Wells, who was on Gilligan's Island. I never watched yeah, that. Oh, yes, that's yes. one of my favorites. What right. did he play? Was she he played the... uh, Marianne. Oh, she... So she's Marianne. Yeah. Oh, wow. I I, grew, I watched uh, Gilligan's Island. The first, you know, first oh, season's in black and white. Yeah. And then I got the DVD <laughs> set two and three were in color. Oh That's God. a funny show. Well, she was going to do Weezer. And uh, uh, they were... So he called and he said, well, I'm at the hospital. I said, oh, my God, what happened to you? And he said, no, uh, Miss Wells is not well. And uh, I'm in the emergency room. And I said, oh, my goodness gracious. So he said, um, I don't think she's going to be able to open the show would you step in you know with mm -hmm. a book you know right. and and I said no not <laughs> yeah, about, how much time did you have and, when, and, when well that you. was going to be the day after tomorrow so um oh, you know, I was, I, it, was, wow. it was like a Wednesday we were opening Thursday it was like oh you could rehearse today some tomorrow and then that night you're on and, I, <laughs> and I, then I, I said look send me the script That's... it's been a long time since I read that script because mm -hmm. I'd originally read for it off Broadway to replace, I think, Margot Martindale. Um, she was um, Truvy. And uh, Margot and I have known each other for many, many years, and, and she's gone on to have a fantastic career and well deserved. She's just brilliant. But she and I would right. like be like this, you know, you play right. this role, yeah. I'll take right. it over. Oh, I play this role. Or we call each other and say, they're casting such and such. I'm not going to do it. Get over there. Um, right. <clears throat> So he sent me the script and I read it and I went, you know what, here's the thing about actors. You join the tribe. If you start to work, you join the tribe. And if someone falls in the tribe, you pick them up. It's like being in the Marine Corps. You go back, you pick them up and you drag them with you. And I thought, oh, I can't awesome. say to this man, I'm not going to help you. I, I can have a book in my hand. So mm -hmm. I went, uh, he sent me the script. Uh, I, I called him back. I said, hey, of course I'll help you. 
So they had an announcement every night, and you could hear some of the people who were devoted. I didn't know people were devoted to Gilligan's Island. I had no idea. I mean, I, you know, uh, so you'd hear, oh, blah, 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 blah. And then, um, oh, no. And I went, geez, who the, whoever thought that this woman was such a draw? Um, but I went on, and um, uh, it was seat of your pants acting. I, we did rehearse, um, and the girls came in on a day that they didn't have to rehearse. Um, and we did just my scenes. And when I tell you do just my scenes, it's for blocking. It's wow. not for a character, you know, so your, wow. your mind yeah, yeah. is whirling as fast as you can. I can't imagine. And, um, yeah, that would be uh, insane. And so I, I had the book in my hand, and now it was only Thursday through Sunday. We don't, they don't do long runs yet because they can't afford it. So, um, but what an introduction to the community. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, I, I'm, it, it, people then look at you like you're a flying Walenda. Oh my God, she got on the tightrope, and look, she didn't fall, you know. And of course, by Sunday, the irony was by Sunday, I was off book. I mean, by then, I knew the play. You know, right. um, wow. yeah. and I remember doing the yeah. uh, the opening okay. night, and then I said, "So is she better?" I mean, like I don't have to do this again. And they went, "Well, <laughs> no." You, we actually need you for the next because two when years. you come yeah. off after when you come off after doing something like that, all you want is a stiff drink and to be never be talked to again. <laughs> um, uh, so I ended up doing it, and I ended up, you know, uh, memorizing the play. Um, wow, but I wow. do love I do love shows like Love Lost and What I Wore, which you end up memorizing. It's a lot of monologues and a lot of cross monologues and talk yes. with each mm -hmm. other. Mm -hmm. But uh, you do work to uh, memorize as much as you can. But I do love a reader's theater kind of thing because it doesn't put. I cannot memorize at the rate I did in my twenties. And th for one thing, I used to go from show to show to show to show practically. Right. Right. Um, and you'd have a longer period of rehearsal than we get down here right. because of my time constraint. Um, although I, he said to me uh, after that, he's, uh, he was talking about uh, he had raised some money and they do an outreach to, to the schools when it's appropriate. They did To Kill a Mockingbird, so they, uh, they got uh, scripts for all the kids or the, the original book for all the kids and then they had them come and they'd have a discussion and stuff. You know, he's trying to make oh, it uh, relevant to the community. And right. he said, uh, if you could have, would you prefer uh, better sets, better costumes? Um, uh, he listed a couple of things. I said, more rehearsal days. I don't care yes. if I have to yeah. go out in a leotard. Well, I would. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I said, two rehearsal days more will take right. your show that's doing just fine to mm. this. And I said, your goal is not to look flashier or to do an extra play. Your goal is to do the very best play you can, yes. in the best way that you can. And every rehearsal day buys you uh, quality. That's what it does. Mm. Wow. So yeah. that's what they did. They were able to add yeah, all the extra to rehearsal wow. days. And it makes all the difference. So yeah. it's, a, it's about quality, right, George? Yeah. It quality. is about quality. At the end of the day, you'd rather do two shows extremely well than four right. shows. Mm -hmm. right. right. Because right. you don't have the time. I mean. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So, Joyce, you know, while you were in New York City, when you were looking, you know, when you Can you lean into your mic, honey? I'm having trouble hearing right. you. Can, can, can you hear me all right? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, testing, that's a little testing. better. When, yeah. Okay, when, 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 when you were, you were in, in New York, York right, right, what was, were there any moments where you were like, oh man, this is kind of scary, you know, like, uh, uh, maybe I haven't seen a paycheck for a little bit before things started really coming in your oh way. Oh my God, oh my God, it was like all the time. You do have... a show and it runs, uh, at Circle Rep we did shows for like, I think it was five weeks or something, it was a subscription house. So right. we, we knew, unless the show was picked up to go to Broadway, um, uh, which shouldn't happen all the time, um, yeah. then you knew that you had X number of weeks to rehearse and perform. So um, then if you didn't have anything coming up, and if you weren't doing a lot of commercial work at the time, uh, you, I mean, I can't, I wish I had a million dollars for every time I sat and stood in my kitchen going, I, I, I can't pay the rent. I can't oh, pay the rent. Oh, wow. And fortunately, because of commercials, some little thing would drop in my mailbox, wow. even $100. I mean, this was back when my, my apartment on 2nd um, Avenue, I think, was 250 a month. 
It might as wow. well have been seven thousand wow. because it was well two fifty <laughs> a month, but I was making one twenty five a week before taxes, so eh. right, uh, right, uh -huh. <laughs> and tight. something would drop yeah. in my mailbox a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, you know, depending on the, and you'd go saved again, and uh, and and so you just did that, you know, yeah. unless you were yeah. running in a show that ran and you were making good money, and then you know, the smart thing to do is save it, you know, maybe because get we, a new pair of shoes and uh, right. Yeah, we have people listening to the podcast that are, uh, you know, uh, more or less in those shoes. You know, we have musicians who are kind of like, oh man, you know, I we're we're kind of on our own now. You know, out of the degree, yeah. you're just kind of like, let's. How do we do this? What what would be some advice that you would give performing artists, the younger younger crowd, you know, that you would give our age uh, to just you know know that everything's going to be okay? Because it seems like you just kind of like it 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 was okay. It was going to be okay. And you just kind of, you were in your kitchen, and I know you had those moments of fear, and but everything else ended up okay. You know, it all well, ended already. Right but day, part you know? of it is, you have to be prepared with your craft. You have to, you can't, right. you can't be ap aspirational with no talent or no training. Uh, yeah, right. You can even be aspirational with talent and still not make it. Uh, talent and training, yeah. I think, is harder to beat. You have to work yeah. at anything that is thrown at you. And if there is, are you hearing that sound? I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> oh, that's, that's okay. fine. Okay. Yeah, I don't um, know. Uh, so uh, fix it in post, I know. But you have to take the jobs that you can take. And for mm -hmm. me, I'm very pro-union because my unions made my life much more bearable. Um, mm -hmm whether it's Actors' Equity or what is now SAG, it's SAG-AFTRA, um, was then Screen Actors Guild and American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. So I was in three unions. And what they did for me was they made my working uh, conditions safe, secure, and um, uh, gave me a place to go if I had a problem. Mm -hmm. But the bigger thing they did is have health and retirement. Oh. Mm. So... Yeah. Working non-union for me is, you know, there were times when we were on strike and you'd see people going around, you know, as scabs working. And, and actually one year we had a big strike and went on way too long. We should have, the, the union should have handled it better, Screen Actors Guild. But nevertheless, right. <clears throat> afterwards they went after people who came. They We knew they were scabs and they came and applied to be... Uh, Screen Actor Guild members, and a lot of people just wanted to make their lives hell, and, and we decided not to make their lives hell. But if we could prove that they had been scabs, we might uh, uh, say, you cannot join for a year or two years or whatever, um, because um, they wanted all the benefits that we had worked for while they right. had gone around mm. the back door. Yeah. But without those uh, unions, I would have had to have been saving at a certain percentage of every job I did, which yeah. my the money I received was not so great that I could re, could put things away. But because the uh, union was getting pre-tax dollars invested on my behalf, I have three pensions and uh, retiree medical. Uh, now, that may go away for the future yeah. young actors. They may not be able to afford retiree medical. I'm on Medicare as well. I know this is where you say you don't look at no, you don't look at that. There you go. No way. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. You're. Um, let's do that again. Let's do that. We'll do that again so you can all say it in unison. Yeah. I'm, I'm, no. I'm, I'm on Medicare. What? Oh. No way. What? what? Oh, I can't believe it. Oh my. I love, I love good company work. I'm doing Yeah? How was that? How was snap, that? Snap. Snap. Um, <laughs> but I would be living on Social Security and Medicare if I didn't have unions because my ability to have set aside that kind of money for myself would have been yeah. nigh on to impossible. Um, mm -hmm. And I and the other thing is I don't think I would have had the discipline. I would have. It's not like I was living the life of Riley, but I, I, how much more could I give up to do that? It would have been impossible. Right. 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 Because right. my favorite phrase in the English language is pre-tax. Pre I love that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when you're, when you're young feels and good you're on the not tongue, in that position of a union yeah. or something, then you have to sit and figure out with yourself or with a financial planner through your parents or something and say, what do I do? I wish mm -hmm. I had put um, 
well, $5 would have seemed extraordinary because that would have been all the subway money I needed for the week or something. But wow. if, I, if you mm -hmm. even put $5 away every mm -hmm. week or even once a month and you're, you put it in a place that you can't touch it and that sits there for 30 years, the okay. other great phrase in the English language is compound interest, you know. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, right. Mm -hmm. And the thing with actors and musicians and singers and all of us who are starting out with this burning desire to do our art is we frequently ignore our life business, our, the, the things that mm -hmm. we have to do to survive other than pay yes. the immediate rent and pay the immediate food and yeah. say, well, I'm willing to give this, whatever this is, it doesn't matter whether it's cigarettes or alcohol or a trip home, I'm willing to give that up for my future in 30 years. That's, that is so difficult. That's like saying to a toddler, right. trust me, your senior year in high school is going to be great. <laughs> right. I mean, it's really wow. the same thing. Uh, it's hard mm -hmm. to imagine. You're not that, you, you know, our fontanelles have barely closed by the time we're starting our careers. And now I'm asking you to think 30, 40 years down the road while you're going, I just want an ice cream. You know, and you're going, right. nah, I wouldn't yeah. have an ice cream. Why isn't that going in the savings? Well, that's a very hard thing to do. And so if you're mm. not able to join a union or you're not in, right. I know some of you are teaching or might mm. teach at a university and maybe mm. they'll have a plan for you. <clears throat> if they have a matching grant, you know, match whatever you do, do it. Right. Because if you think it's hard now, wait till you're 55, 65, 70. Uh -huh. And yeah. we don't know the tra trajectory of our economy or our government for health care right. and everything. Right. Oh, shut up. This thing keeps beeping. <laughs> it's telling you something, you know. It's <clears throat> no, it's just uh, I don't know how to stop it announcing uh, um, yeah. emails. Um, yeah, I'm thinking like I have to think about what I'm going to do in the next five minutes versus, you know, like right. 30 years oh, from now, I'm just, yeah. oh, yeah. Yes. You know. Well, if yeah. there's a way to sit and talk, I, listen, my parents were not great at all this. Um, we, I didn't come from money. Um, uh, they, my parents never, never even owned a home. They, they always rented their yeah. two places, three places that we lived in during my lifetime with them. <clears throat> so I wasn't going to get a lot of guidance there. Although my mother once said a great thing. She said, I, I got a credit card when I finally qualified for a credit card. Right. And <clears throat> she said, don't charge anything that you can't pay for in 48 hours. Mm -hmm. And I lived by that father. for many years. <laughs> well, I mean, right. it, it's it's a good principle, even though you're go you're not really going to live by it. But mm, if right. you buy yeah. something that you know you haven't got a chance in hell of putting that payment down at the end of the month, mm. don't buy it. Um, right. Because yeah. every dollar that you waste that way, and, and you go, well, I'll pay the minimum balance. I mean, except in extraordinary times, things ha happen and you may have to pay the minimum balance or something, but then mm -hmm. look at that interest rate. Yeah. You know, right. so, yeah. uh, how expensive is this blouse going to end up being? You know, if right. it's a $40 right. blouse to start with and I can't pay for it, it really doesn't look like a $200 blouse. And that's right. what it's going to end up costing right. me. Right. So, wow. you know, at the end of the day, you have to, and I, I still am angry at public schools and I think private schools don't do any better job, which is to teach yes. people how to deal with their finances. Right. And right. <clears throat> not to say you'd, I mean, when I've got my first big splurge of money, I did a pilot in, in uh, California. This was in the, gosh, it must have been the early 70s, I think. No, wait a minute, mid-70s. Uh. <clears throat> Something like that. And um, I was with an agent I didn't trust and like much, but that's the agent I had. Right. <clears throat> and they were throwing money at me. And uh, I, was, I was committed down at Circle Repertory. So I just thought, I don't want to go to California and end up with a, you know, a series or something. They'll chew me up and spit me out, and that'll be the end of that. <laughs> <clears throat> so they, <clears throat> they offered me this pilot. And uh, I'd say they offered me 7500 for the week to do it, which was, is, you might as well have said a million dollars to me. That's a, yeah, and yeah, that's I was a, so frightened of going out there, I said, no. Mm -mm. Right. And then they got it up to, I think I asked for 10, expecting them uh -huh. to say, oh, because the agent's sitting there going, they're not going to agree to this. 
And I thought, right. Yeah. Oh, that's helpful. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I right. said, Oh, and it's use me or lose me by, by let's say April 15th. Yep. You're never going to agree to that. <laughs> <laughs> they agreed to it. I made $20,000 on this thing. Oh, wow. it didn't go. It, it didn't go to a series, which I was sorry about at the end of the day. I made some great friends through it. Um, yeah. And it was the first time I had money. So I immediately called and booked a, a trip for my parents to, who had, my mother had never been out of the country. I had sent them to London and to wow. Italy because the mother, they, oh. we had had exchange student who had turned into our brother. Uh, I was, oh, I was yeah. not living there at the time. My, my younger sisters were living there, but I knew Gabrielli and my parents had not been to Italy and met his parents, so they went there. Mm. And they went up to Scotland and so, I mean, I'd never been in the position to do anything like that. So did right. I save yeah. the money? No, I didn't. I sent my parents to Europe because I went, right. when am I going to ever do this again? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. <clears throat> but that so, was worth it for worth, you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What do you hey? think? What? Well, that was worth it for you. Oh, it was way worth it for me. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> but then again, my union had taken the pre-tax dollars and put it over here. Right. right. You know, so right. uh, I saved without even saving. Right. <laughs> look, at, you know? look at you go, multiple hands, you know. So, so while you're in New York, do you have any, you know, you were how how long did you say? Twenty five years in New York. New I was York city. about twenty years living in the city. Yeah. Twenty twenty years living in the city. You <coughs> must you must have had some some crazy travel story. What's a good story that sticks out to your to you staying in New York for that amount of time? I know you must have seen something, gone somewhere, met someone. Uh, during your time there. I love the smile. I know, I love it. <laughs> well, a couple, a couple of things are coming to mind. I remember getting into a cab once, and I never took cabs because they were too expensive. And um, I can't remember what the audition was or series of it. I had had a terrible day. Terrible oh. day. I mean, you just felt like everyone had dumped garbage on your head. And um, I got in the cab, and I don't know what else was going on that time. Uh, I know I lived off of Central Park West, <coughs> excuse me, and I got in a cab on 6th Avenue and I gave him my address, West 73rd Street. And this was back when a lot of the cab drivers were older, middle European men. Right. Okay. And I guess I burst into tears or something. He said, uh -oh. well, what's wrong? I said, I've just had a horrible day. <laughs> and he took the meter and he said, let's, and he turns it off and he said, let's go through Central Park. Oh. So he drives me around, there are daffodils coming up oh. and we go by the merry-go-round and we, this and that mm. and the other. He said, isn't it beautiful, isn't it nice? And then we got to the end of it, he put it back on. And so I paid him, you know, $1.95 or something, you know, the, the, wow. the cab ride. And, uh, oh my goodness. And that act of kindness was so tremendous for me. Um, uh, yeah. I just, I, I just... It was so sweet. It that's was so beautiful. sweet. Um, and you and clearly because you remember it so well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you it was know. just a terribly sweet thing to do, yeah. and it right. cost him money due to it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. I can remember a, a number of crazy people in the city that it was just. I mean, you'd say, "Oh, I'll meet you where the guy <laughs> sings opera to another actor," because there was a guy on Fifty Seventh <laughs> Street. Uh, he didn't look like a bum so much as he, but he was crazy. And he had his hair was always plastered <laughs> down. And he'd be saying, you know, he'd be, but he sang, he sang in different languages because he obviously hadn't had something to do with the, the opera in his life in some way. Right, right. Mm. But he was just insane. Um, <laughs> there was a guy who used to, um, what was it? Well, what, I was crossing the street one day at this one woman. Woman looks at me and goes, whore, whore. Oh wow! Jeez. <laughs> and and come, come to find out, she's at that corner all the time. You know. Oh good, good. You're yeah. back and, and you're laughing. You're going, oh, I'm so far from a whore. You have no idea. And, uh, but you go, you know, oh you can say, I'll meet you. At the, I'll meet you where the guy sings opera. You could always go, I'll meet you on the whore corner because that was. Yeah. Uh, she was there. No. Yeah. Oh. And you know, uh, Group Two did some homework before we we came, and we were watching. We we got together one night. We were watching over at Eric's house, um, and Eric was very kind. He bought us pizza, and Taco Bell, Taco Bell. Uh, it's beautiful. So we're 
I know, I know. Only, only the best from a boy. So we, you know, moral of stories, we were all together. We were, we were doing some homework on Joyce, and um, Evan raised a great question. Um, and we, we saw a TV show. We saw you in an episode of Law and & Order, and then we saw a movie of yours. What is the difference between the two sets? Um, whether that's a TV show set or a movie set, is there a big difference in how they run or maybe a time frame? Or It seems right. like the production value might have something to do with it. You know, but... I, I did very few uh, film things, um, mm -hmm. and that's, I think Marlon Brando once, I think he was the one who once famously said, I'm not paid all this money to act, I'm paid to wait. Um, <laughs> if you're shooting, a, if you're shooting a film, I mean, you can be in makeup at four o'clock in the morning and not see the soundstage until nine o'clock at night, which is about wow. the, the least wow. amount of fun you can have. What? Um, That's crazy. Uh, uh, in television, uh, for me, it was uh, with Law and Order. You were you were called for about a week's time. Uh, right. I, I only had a one okay. early on. I did one or two a day a day job, but uh, you know a one day job. Um, mm. But mostly I did uh, like a week, and mm. uh, so they're shooting some. Well, they're shooting exteriors in one place, so you shoot that. It may not be in order, but it's you know. But you know what you you know where you are and stuff. Yeah, right. Um, right. But they Law and Order goes pretty quickly because they they always had a ter terrifically tight uh, crew. And uh, yeah. the directors knew what they wanted. They didn't do forty-five thousand takes. They're, you know, they're not going to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, fortunately, when it started, I mean, it was a big boon for the New York actors, particularly character actors, because they wanted a lot of different types of people, and uh, everybody didn't have to be a star. I mean, this was the genius of Dick. Oh, um, who owns the series? Uh, Dick. Um, Dick Wolf. Wolf, thank you. All I could think oh, of was yes. Worth. And yes. It's a friend of mine who's a writer. It has nothing to do with the show. Um, yeah, <laughs> Wolf, Wolf was brilliant because he went to the place that had the most interesting actors <clears throat> of all types, black, white, young, old, tall, short, fat, thin, well-schooled in how to act. And so, and they had interesting scripts. They knew they had good scripts. <clears throat> he got his core people together and then he just started cycling us through there. Um, right. And it wasn't till much later that the stars started coming in. And when it's really turned more to stars, all of us who had been in really good roles were now shifting one down, which was a disappointment for some of us. Yeah. But yeah, um, I can't imagine. Uh, they ran a tight ship. And you, I mean, you wait, you wait to get to what you're going to shoot because that's the nature of it. In theater, if you're rehearsing, you're still sitting there waiting for your scene. You just sort of tend to all be together in the same room watching mm -hmm. each other work, which I find extremely important to watch other right. people work, um, which you can't do on a set. I mean, you can't wander in and kind of watch everybody else's work. There, there isn't that much room on a set. Um, Have but, you ever uh, given anyone a note? Sorry? Just had, have you ever given anyone a note? Just oh, for God, them to no. take the note. Oh, Jesus, no. <laughs> I, I remember mean... reading reading that, uh, uh, I think, what, was it you who wrote that? It was um, um, giving a note, and you just take the note. You just take whatever you're oh, giving. yeah, I mean, if it's the director, yeah. Right. I, I'm not yeah. going to take a note from another actor. There's okay. one director. Yep, yep. There's one yep. director. Right. Um, <clears throat> now, if you don't like the director, or you think his head is up his ass, or um, and I say he because 99% <laughs> of the directors I worked with were men. It was very hard for women to get into these positions. Um, right. Yeah. If you really think the guy is sloppy or even being stupid or lazy, a lot of lazy actor, uh, actors, actors, mm -hmm. and uh, not so many actors, but uh, lazy directors, yeah. where you just think, you know, where's the work here? Um, yeah. Then you take the note. And if you know that you want to do something else, you come in the next, I would come in the next day, take a slightly different, or say, you know, you were talking yesterday. You really sparked, I think you are right about this. I'd like to try it your way. And they will have forgotten what way that was. And you just, <laughs> you proceed, but you must do their direction full out for two right. reasons. One, I owe it to him to try what he's saying because there might be a kernel in there. And two, mm. I can't try something else without trying his. Mm. Nobody's going right. to let you do that. Well, even I if they don't the know it, they're not going to let you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Works the same way in the music world, like I was just saying, you yeah. know? You do that with all your directors, all your orchestral... Your conductors. Absolutely. Conductors. Mm -hmm. 
all that stuff. And you know, there's videos on uh, YouTube like Bernstein conducting the New York Phil. And yeah. He'll, he'll stop and he'll say something to the principal <laughs> trumpet and he'll just nod his head and polite the same way and then they'll say oh much better much better and they're, they're just rolling their eyes back there but i think it's part of being professional you know just yep. taking yep. it but sometimes they would fight back and then in some works just you can't you know what and the, the wonderful dirty secret is uh at least in acting the director leaves you and it's you and the play and the other actors now it's a stage manager's job to keep it in the shape that was intended but sometimes we all know that you find something more interesting or the plague also grows. It starts to breathe. Now, that doesn't mean that if I'm mm -hmm. supposed to be standing over there, I can now be standing over here because <laughs> you know, there's the orchestration of how things work. And what you forget is a director is looking at, uh, from a musical standpoint, it's looking at the choreography and the, the themes he's setting. Who's close right. to whom? When does somebody, you know, it, doing it my way the actor's way it doesn't always have the the, the vision that's needed uh, for the audience you know yeah um <clears throat> there was a play i did um it was the fifth of july and it was a big success off broadway we weren't still we weren't making much money but we moved to broadway right <clears throat> and we were doing it there and i was in rehearsal and there was a it, this character goes up and down these stairs a lot she's always I'm gonna get my daughter, I'm upset, and I go upstairs. And, and there was this one exit I had where it says June goes upstairs. And I, I finally, I said, Marshall, I still to this day don't know why I'm going up, going upstairs. And he said, I don't, I don't want eight people on stage. Okay. Mm -hmm. I said, I can do that. And I'd come up, up the stairs every night. Susie Kurtz was playing the, the other role, uh, and she was upstairs waiting to come on. And I'd come up every now and then and go, Still don't know why I'm here. Don't know why. I'm here. Uh, and we'd laugh about it. But I understood what he was saying. He didn't yeah, want yeah. all of us on for this scene. I had right. to exit, and right. he didn't want me to go outside. So uh, you know, you and could I make something up? Of course I could. I had something for every exit and entrance. I just didn't have it for that. And I finally gave right. up. I said, Oh, I, I, I'm going to do it because he needs me off stage. I couldn't mm -hmm. come up with a reason it didn't seem so fabricated that it was stretching credulity. So I just accepted it and went off stage. But it was one of those things where I just went, don't know. Don't know yep. why I'm leaving. <laughs> Not much you can, you know, yeah. and we do that in music all the time. We have, <clears throat> the, one of the big things that we talk about is how to interpret the piece of paper that you're given with all the notes, all the symbols on it. You know, there are so many different ways to interpret things. And it's like, okay, do you follow exactly what's there? Exactly, you know? And it's, it's helpful to have a composer in the room, you know, if they're still alive. But if you have a piece of paper that says to do something a certain way without a composer there, you know, there's room for that interpretation at least, right? Yeah. But there are some schools of thought that are like, hey, really, really on the paper, really on the paper, really on the paper. And there's yeah. a time and place for that. Have you ever been one to, you know, add that own interpretation to your piece of paper with acting, you know? Do you mean change the words? No, not necessarily change the words. Maybe change the inflection, for example. Oh, yeah. Well, that's going to happen with uh, time and tide. I mean, yeah, right. <clears throat> um, I think first you have to, and this is probably true for you guys too, you have to know the score. You have to know right. verbatim right. what the script yeah. is. Absolutely. Now, you can have trouble, uh, and, and Lanford would say every now and then, you know, to be working on something, you'd go up at the same place in rehearsal, you'd go dry every time when you got to this, and I'd say, I, I don't know why I'm losing this. And Lanford or other playwrights would say, there has to be something wrong here. It has yeah. to be the syntax or the rhythm or something, because there, you know everything else and you don't know this, it's got to be. And sometimes it was just tweaking words a little bit, because yeah. somewhere in my brain, it wasn't coming out. You know, you, you have to develop the life of the person that could only say this in mm. this moment. That's all yes. they could right. say. That's right. their answer. That's what they're going to say. <clears throat> so, um, but the longer you, if you have the luxury of a long run, for instance, which we did with Fifth of July, then you can, you, you know, when you first start out, I, you know, you open a show, you're never ready to open a show, for God's sake. It's never right. long enough rehearsal. <laughs> <clears throat> and I don't know what that breaking point would be, but it's usually not three to four weeks. Yeah. And you open, and when people say, I want to come to opening night, I go, oh, please don't. Trust me, wait a month. 
it will start right, to right. breathe and have a life and will be settled and more comfortable. You'll see the, actually see the play then. Yeah. However, and you're in a long run, and pretty soon you start to relax so that you're able to, instead of concentrating so hard, you start to live the life like a person lives that life. And so you can, you know, just while someone else is talking, you look at another person, you're looking at, not to turn, you don't want to steal the um, focus from the other character, but the way you do in life, you know, he's nodding, he's, you know, all that you look around and pretty soon you realize you have a life. And then you can take in things that you never saw in rehearsal, never, mm. because now you're you're taking in everything. You're not in that laser thing about remembering your lines, remembering your intention, where you go. You starts to breathe, and you'd mm. be surprised how that changes, without mm. you doing anything. All you're doing wow. is being. Yeah, yeah. That's very relatable. That's too. amazing. But yeah. it just we're taking notes over here. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I never it's, thought about it. Start listening more. Wow. But I'm sure, it, I'm sure it happens with you guys. The more you play yeah. a piece together. I mean, you watch this with chamber groups. I'm always fascinated when I go to watch a chamber orchestra. And you're watching them. First of all, there's no conductor. So you're just communicating. And I watch your guys' eyes when you're watching each right. other and coming in and picking up rhythms and stuff. And mm -hmm. actors do that all the time. And that's what's going to be coloring your music or coloring the work we do. Uh, yeah. Now, you can be in a show, so that is a wonderful story of a dear friend of mine, long gone now, Fred Rheinglass, one of the great stage managers. <clears throat> he was doing, it was a show with um, Dick Cavett's wife, Carrie, oh, I can't think of her name right now. I can't think of anybody's name right now. <clears throat> anyway, she had an entrance. We'll call her Carrie. Yeah, I, I can't think. Oh, it'll come to me after this is all over. When I turn this thing off, it'll come to me. Text me at 3 a.m. when it comes yeah. to you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, she, she comes in, she takes these gloves off, throws them down and says such and such and such and such and goes to do something else. That was her entrance. And one day right. she came, came off and, and uh, said to Fred, I'm giving my notice. And he said, what are you talking oh. about? She said, I just entered and took off gloves I wasn't wearing. Oh. Mm. That's when you gotta go. That's when you gotta go. But she stayed committed wow. to it, so everybody thought she had gloves on. So, um, wow. You know, but amazing. she said, oh. "I've been at this too long now. I just took off gloves I'm not wearing." Wow. So she had wow. forgotten to put the gloves on, but she did take them off and throw them. That's down. right. But um, oh wow! You know, you can wow. be in something yeah. where you go, "I have swept every corner. It's time for me yeah. to go." Right. You know. Was yeah. there yeah. was there ever a role that you? Was there like a favorite role that you had or particularly memorable role that you've had? I was very lucky. I had a lot of plays and roles that I liked. Uh, June Tally on the 5th of July was, uh, uh, it was a great play with a great company and I loved it. And then um, Lanford wrote a play where Bill and I, Bill Hurt and I were supposed to play our own parents. He came up one day <clears throat> in between uh, Acts, and he said, how would you, I was, actually, we were divided into smokers and non-smokers, not men and women, so um, right. Bill and I were in the same dressing room, and he knelt down between us, and he said, how would the two of you like to play, you, play your parents? And we went, oh, wow. I cannot imagine, because we knew their names were Olive and, um, oh, what was his father's name? Ken Talley and, uh, wasn't Tim, oh, think of it, I can't think of his name. Yeah, again, um, another 3 a.m., <clears> you know, you can. <laughs> and uh, we said, who might they be? I mean, we had our childlike creations of who they were and what they had done to us. But who right. are these people? <laughs> well, Bill, Bill yeah. was doing something else. So it ended up being, uh, who took that role? Um, Tim Shelton, I think. Um, so we, you know, we, I eventually played my own mother, which was very interesting well, for oh, me. Oh, that's wow. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> and then uh, we took the show to California and, and then a year later, they wanted to redo it, and but they didn't ask me to do my role, and I was terribly hurt. But the woman who played Aunt Lottie, which is a wonderful role, <clears throat> she became pregnant, and she was, she was having a difficult pregnancy, and they said, would you come in and do Aunt Lottie? Mm -hmm. And so I had I had another forty eight hours to learn to play. That was <laughs> although I knew the play. Forty eight hours. hours. You know. I didn't know I didn't know the character, um, but. It was one of those things where you slip into a character and you go, 
oh my God. It was so easy. I felt, I put her clothes, it was like putting clothing on. I, oh, she was wow. totally it was like different. A glove she you weren't even she was older. Yeah. Yeah. What, darling? It was like a glove you weren't even wearing. <laughs> like a glove off. I wasn't even wearing. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <clears throat> she was older. She was uh, dying of cancer. She was a very interesting woman. Um, and I loved playing that role. Loved, yeah. loved, loved mm. playing that role. Um, and. Um, but then again, I love Jackie and Hot Hell Baltimore. I mean, I've been very lucky. I've never, I can't think of ever doing a role. We, I was in plays that you just went, could this please close? Um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I remember Fred came up, Fred, Fred came up once to call um, Half Hour for, um, it was a, a production of Lulu, Vaderkin's Lulu. Right. Uh, and it was not good. It was at Circle Rep. It was just not good. And uh, you know it's not good when all the actors keep like putting on more makeup and trying to face up stage. It's like performing like this. I'm I'm not really here. Um, <laughs> but he came up to, to call half hour one day, and we all just started throwing dollars at him, going, "No, please don't make us go on." <laughs> oh my god! But they we and they actually put up the closing notice, which we'd never had a closing notice go up because. Um, uh, people were staying away in droves, and um, right. uh, and we we walked in and we we'd all just went yes it's closing yay <laughs> you know it was awful Time for it, to end. it was just oh, yeah. I, mean, I had next to nothing to do but they were I was part of what filled the stage at that time oh my god wow it was awful just wow. I had a, I was doing a show called Domestic <laughs> Issues which had a great oh, yeah. poster wow. I wish I had the poster it, it was a, a a beautifully shot bowl of like fruit only it, it, it was fruit and a hand grenade oh oh, oh. <clears throat> so my my uh, uh, wonderful uh, actor um, again I can't think of a name I think you know I have what I call reverse Sesame Street I lose a letter a day. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I was in this wonderful uh, company, great, great company of actors, um, but the show was one. just not hanging together, and we kept asking the artistic director to come in. We said, you know, it's the, the, and they had a director, a woman, God bless her, she was like a poet or something, I don't know, she wasn't a director, and this is what she did, we'd rehearse, and she'd go, and then we'd finish the scene and go, help me, you know, yeah. it, we knew it yeah. wasn't working, and she'd go, do it again. <laughs> Just buying a little more time. Yeah. No direction more. whatsoever. And the artistic director came in, the woman who was serving as artistic director at the time, and said, I think it's coming along really well. And we're going, you know, we had a, like a private meeting with her and saying, you know, Tanya, she's like, it's like someone who's painting the room a different color when what you need to do is get a new sofa. I said, it doesn't change the sofa, you know. <clears throat> and of course, it was, so... Um, what was I starting with this? So we're doing this play. Oh, here, here's hearkening back to, does anybody ever know you? So in, yeah. the, in the, the, the concept by the playwright was that as if they had lifted off the roof of the house and you could see everyone in every room all the time. So that all of us were together doing things. Yeah. And I start yeah. the thing off, I'm playing a Jewish mother and I start off by making like radish roses. I'm making a plate, you know, uh -huh. I'm making a plate. So I'm making this stuff and I'm carving all this crudite right. <clears throat> while other things are happening. Our son has come home. He's living with us again for a while. And he's, I don't think he was married. I think he can't, I don't think he was married, but his partner or wife had been in the weatherman kind of underground. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, bombing people and things, you know. Um, wow, yeah, yeah. And so uh, it, it it was just one one of those shows where you you get through it, you right? Get through it, yeah. and you need to do that sometimes. You know, you just need to get through it you do. to get to that other end. You know, for the next thing. Well, one know? of the ways we got through it because yeah. we're a subscription house, we don't close. The, okay. um, one of the cast, one of the crew members decided to start hiding a rubber chicken on the set. <laughs> so you'd be and the, the thing was find the chicken where's the chicken today oh that's great oh, that's so great. it'd be in a waste that. paper basket and so I had this scene with my the, the, the woman that either my my uh, daughter-in-law or the partner or whatever and we're in this open kitchen 
and here's the refrigerator, and the, the audience can't see the refrigerator. It was an active, real refrigerator, and uh -huh. I, I have to go and get something out of the refrigerator. We're having this rather active talk about, you know, well, how do you do this? Mm -hmm. I mean, there are children and people, you know, women, and you're blowing things up. And I open it right. up, and there's the there's the refrigerator. <laughs> So I open it up, and Carolyn Cava, wonderful actress, she's in. It, I open it up, and I just go. Oh, oh. my! Now we can't look Steel. at each other. We've both seen the rubber chicken, so we can't look at each other. So we spend the rest of the the, the scene talking like this. Because we know if we look at each other, we're going to be gales of laughter. Oh yes. So, yes, yeah. The rubber chicken—it's all that got us through, really. It really is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we need to start doing that. Yeah, yeah, find, yeah, we need to start doing a, that. You know, find your rubber chicken. Your rubber chicken. Right. Yeah. Find well, your own inner rubber chicken. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joyce, thank you so much, you know, for coming on Joyce, and agreeing to do oh. this. I mean, this has been amazing. Just hearing oh, yeah, all your fantastic. stories and all your advice. I mean, I've learned a lot, and I had a lot mm -hmm. of fun. I know everybody else. Oh, did too. absolutely! People are going to take a lot from this. So, yes. Um, yeah. Well, you I, really it, made lemonade out of your lemons. Well, <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I wish for you all long careers and tons yeah. of money. But what you'll probably have is a, you'll have a long career. Um, <laughs> Thank you. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. It's, um, you know, there is a point at which uh, being poor stops being fun. So, right. Um, right. Uh, right. figure that out. Um, right. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. We'll but. Do it. Uh, there ain't nothing like art. There ain't right. nothing like yeah. art. That's a great closing. That's yeah. right. There ain't there nothing like art. You ain't know? nothing well, like art. I'm going to needlepoint that later today. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> thank you again, Joyce. This was yeah. amazing talking to you. On behalf of group two, on behalf of all our audience, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Get your mother to call me. <laughs> you know I will. Okay. <laughs> All right, Joyce. Have a nice to meet you day. guys. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Nice to meet you. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. What do I mean? And take care. Yep. I will. Love you. Love you. <laughs> <laughs>